men. We're going to get them in here and make normal. I, I kid us. I say it. Justin, it used to be a little reserved backwoods town. Nobody got to church on time. Hardly. Nobody. But uh, anyway, that's uh, the way we are. In fact, I got tickled at Cheryl whenever uh, the Lord brought she and I together. I had never, ever been late to church in my life or virtually nowhere else. But I can't say that now. (laughs) I will say the very first Sunday she came out there, she was late. And she got a speeding ticket on the way out there. And uh, she caused me to be late that first Sunday that she come in that I introduced her to the class. <laughs> and uh, it hadn't changed a whole lot. <laughs> you know, she's just not a punctual person when it comes to being somewhere on time. You know people like that, right? Some of them are driven and they're on and never late nowhere and some never on time. Well, we got two of those put together here now. So. <laughs> Uh, but we make it. We make it somewhere in the process. So uh, I'm learning to be a little more lenient, and I think she's learning to be a little more punctual, I hope. I don't know for sure. But anyway, it's a, it has been a learning process for all of us. You know, so praise the Lord. I am grateful. Okay, Tuesday night Bible study. We're going to start out in Second Peter tonight. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you and praise you, Lord, for the Word of God. I thank you and praise you for these wonderful things you wrote in this book. Lord, I ask you to show us the truth of the depth of the Word of God tonight as we read it and talk about it. How great you are and what you've written in this book and your requirements for us, your children, and where you expect us to walk and what you expect us to do as your children. Father, I thank you for the Word. Now, bless it as it goes forth tonight in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. The Word of God. It has great demands. Great demands. Second Peter chapter 1. It says, Simon Peter, a servant and a missionary of Jesus Christ, to all of you who have our kind of faith. I'm going to move over here just a little bit because that wind blows right there on that microphone and it makes a lot of noise in the mic. The faith I speak of is the kind that Jesus Christ, our God and Savior, gives to us. Now, this God kind of faith, this is something that I find today that I didn't have for the biggest majority of my life. I didn't really know what faith was. But now that I'm beginning to learn a little bit about what it is, and now I'm beginning to understand that there's not very many people out there today that believe the Word of God. And that's, so, that's a shame, isn't it? But anyway, it's written. So we've got a book to go by. But uh, he says here, uh, How precious it is and how just and good he is to give this same faith to each of us. But now he gives us his faith. But this faith that he gives us, we have to develop this faith. Now, this, in other words, it's, whenever it's handed to you, you know, that's just like uh, some of you in here are very well-educated people. Maybe all of you are very well-educated people. But it makes no difference what your education is in. When you get out of high school or trade schools, technical schools or college or 
whatever universities. When you get out of school, this is just a preliminary work to get you started somewhere. That's all it is. You really don't know a whole lot. You probably think you've got everything mastered right there, but you don't know nothing. You know, if you want to know, you can ask me. When I got out of those schools, I thought I knew it all, almost. And then I, 30 or 40 years later, I know now I don't know nothing, but I've been out in the field a long time. So I now know how little I do know. You know, that, that's about where we are. That's the way it is with the Word of God. You know, when you take the Word of God, you go to church, uh, go to Sunday school and church, and when you're young and you get saved, and when you get 18, maybe mother and dad took you to church in Sunday school when you get 18. I don't need this stuff no more. I've been to church. I learned everything there is. I know everything there is to know about the Bible. So why go to church? Why not go out there and have a good time? Well, first of all, if you have that kind of mentality, it automatically tells me you don't know nothing about the Word of God. Absolutely nothing. You don't even know enough to be afraid of God. And that's where most people are today. You know, we don't even know enough to be afraid of God. So, when we get, begin to study this book and learn what this book says, we begin to understand these great and awesome things. Now, in Second Peter, I'm reading out of the Living Bible... Uh, so it's a little bit different than the King James, but it still says the same thing. It says, it says, do you want more and more of God's kindness and peace? Now, who in the world wouldn't want more and more of that? Well, all you got to do is ask the people in a church. And uh, what would you think? What would you say about uh, out of a, everybody that says they're a Christian? How many or what percentage of those people do you think that say they're Christians in America, what percentage of them do you think even comes to church as much as one time a month? What do you think the percentage is? Is it 100%? No, not anywhere close, is it? So why, why is it that people say they're Christians? Why do they not study God's Word and go to church? Why do they not put God first in everything they do? If you have one, they're what? Blinded by the enemy. That's a good answer. You have an answer? Oh yeah. Susan says you get in the world and you find other things to do. All those are good answers. I mean, you know, I mean, you you buy a new boat, you know, and you go out and you you're blessed and. And the Lord's given you a good job or something, and, and you're blessed, and you're, you know, you're working hard and diligently. Now, some people don't do that. Some people don't even work. You know, some people sleep in every morning. You know, they work a few hours a day. Maybe they don't even work some days. And then they wonder why they can't make it. You know, well, the book of Proverbs has a whole lot to say about the sluggard. You know, he'll die in poverty. I mean, you know, it says all about it. Well, if people are sluggards, what do they have to do? They've got to change. Can they change? Sure they can. You know, you don't have to be a sluggard. You can get up and do something. But, or you can make that choice, you know, to be a sluggard and do nothing. Or, this is like when I was going, when I got back from Vietnam after being in the war, I decided to go back to school. You know, I graduated from high school in 1957. Well, I, several years later, I was called to the war in Vietnam and after I went to the war in Vietnam, stayed a couple of years, actually stayed four years in the military, I decided I wanted to go back to school. Well, when I started back to school, 
School's now not easy for me because I haven't been in school in several years. But I wanted to learn and master everything. So I had, of course, I had, I was married. I had a wife, didn't have any children yet, but I had a wife and I had to support her. We had to have a place to stay. We had to buy groceries and I had to go to school. Well, school was six hours a day. That took the first six hours, started, my first class started at six in the morning and I didn't get out till 12. That's my last one, noon. So from six to 12, I went to school. Now then, I'm going to work an eight-hour job somewhere. So that's 14 hours of the day already. Then you've got transportation time. You've got eating time. You've got study time. You've got sleeping time. And let me tell you, I did that day and night for two solid years. You know? Hey, somebody said, Thurman, you're crazy. You don't ever take off to have any fun. Well, let me tell you, some of those guys that took off to have fun... They still are out there broke, and they still don't have nothing. But I didn't do that. I worked, and I did what the Lord says, and he blessed my socks off. I mean, you know, when I started serving him, tithing, doing everything the Lord says, then I began to read the Word of God, and I began to develop my faith. Just like I began to develop my skills once I got out of school, I still didn't know anything about engineering. But when I got in the field and began to work for a few years with what I learned, hey, it didn't come easy. It didn't come easy. It took some time. Did does it? Did it come easy for you? No. It's still working on it. Well, sure. And we will be the rest of our life. That's why, you know, that we put in so many hours a day in this ministry. You know, I mean, I think about... Uh, I think about, I, never, I had no idea what was going to be involved whenever I made the decision that I would teach a Sunday afternoon service for an hour and a half when the average church service for an average pastor is 30 minutes. Average. I thought, okay, I'll teach an hour and a half on Sunday afternoon. I'll teach two hours on Tuesday night. And I'll teach one or two healing schools a month on the second and the fourth Saturday that are going to be four hours each. That's ten teachings a month. Do you realize how many hours that takes and, and how many hours I have to spend with the Word to put these outlines together and get this together and get up early in the morning and then make like radio shows? I've made radio shows till 1.15 this morning. And when I get home tonight, that's what I'll be doing again. When I get home tonight, radio shows... Because I'm on about seven or eight radio stations across the country now. And I've got to get those together. A 15-minute show every day, five days a week, a different show. And then uh, once a quarter, I have to go to GLC and make 15, 30-minute television shows. You know, you talk about busy. I mean, you want to retire? Hey, life really gets busy when you retire. You know, it gets busier and busier. You know, so if you if you haven't got anything to do and you're bored, come follow me around. You know, I can keep you busy. You know, but the young people don't want to follow you around. You know, in fact, my own crew the other day out at the ministry center said, Pastor T, in the last 10 weeks, you have not taken off one single day. You have, in the next seven weeks, scheduled no days off. 
17 weeks straight in a row, 24-7. No days off. You work at least 16 hours a day. When we come to work at 9 o'clock in the morning, you're usually already here. And when the last one of us go home at night, it's somewhere between 12 and 3. Usually you're still here. So you need to take a break. So the other day I told them, I said, we're going to take two days off, the 6th and the 7th. We're going to go somewhere. And they put on my schedule, it's about time. <laughs> but the 6th and the 7th of June is Cheryl's now second anniversary. So we're going to take a couple of days off and do something. So go somewhere. But you know, all of these things that God give us, this grace and this knowledge and this faith, it doesn't, although he give it to you, just like healing for your flesh, it's a gift to us. But most of us never learn how to make it work. You know, I think about I was in church 40 plus years of my life and had no idea that healing belonged to me, that I had power over the enemy. I didn't know these promises we're going to talk about tonight here in Second Peter. And so I lived a defeated life, technically. But then 20, over 20 years ago, when I really began to read this book in detail, I begin to understand, hey, if this book is true and these promises are true, then I've got some things I've got to change. I'm not walking in obedience to the Word, and I'm not believing what this book says. So I'm living in unbelief. So I begin to change. And when I begin to change and begin to believe God's Word and start doing exactly what He said in every aspect of it that I could, I begin to see the Lord, the King of Heaven, answer my prayers in a way that was beyond my wildest dreams. And of course, uh, you know, it's just been awesome. It is awesome. But verse 3, For as you know Him better, He will give you through His great power... Wait a minute. For as you know Him better... How are you going to get to know Him better? How did you, which one of you ladies here, you're a married girl. How did you get to know your husband better? You married him, didn't you? When you went with him, when you married him, when you and him moved in together, then you begin to learn things about him you didn't know before, didn't you? Unfortunately, that's true. That's the way it is with all of us. We're all on our best foot when we're dating you girls. But when we get married, you know, I mean, we come home together now, right? I mean, you wake up in the morning and you realize she's got bad breath just like everybody else. What kind of deal is this? She never had bad breath before. Never. (laughs) And he never had bad breath either, right? (laughs) But you see where I'm coming from, right? We got to realize there's things we don't learn about each other until... We become one together. And when we do, but this is the same way with Jesus. It says here, for as you know him better, as you know him better, how are you going to get to know the king better? You're going to have to dive in the word with the king. This is the only way you can get to know the king. If I walked up to you and say, do you know the Lord? Oh, yeah, I know him. Where do you go to church? Well, I don't go. Oh, you don't go to church? 
No, I worked all the time. I don't have time to go to church. When's the last time you went? Oh, let's see. I don't know, five, six, seven years ago. But you know God? Oh, yeah, I know Him. I pray to Him. I talk to Him on a regular basis. Are you married? Well, I was. What happened? Well, me and my wife had a little problem. After our second child was born, we couldn't agree on things, so I finally had to move out. And uh, But that's okay. I'm living with another woman. i got another baby with her now. And you, say, you tell me you know God? I'm telling you, I know the God you know, too. And it's not the one I know. His name's Satan. It is not Jesus Christ. Because everything you told me does not line up with the Word. But everything you told me lined up with the devil's world. And people, you cannot know God outside of the Word. You cannot know Him. Can you, Elvin? You've got to get in the Word. It says, for as we know Him better. Now let me tell you, it says here, He will give you through His great power everything you need to be living a truly good life He even shares His own glory and His own goodness with us. That's what's written in the Living Bible. Well, let me tell you. I spent 10 years, 5 to 15 hours a week studying God's Word before these things all of a sudden just began to become a reality to me. Now, how did... What did he say? If I know him better, as I learn and I get in the Word and study 5 to 15 hours a week for 10 years... I'm beginning to understand God better and better and better and better. And all of a sudden, He just began to reveal His glory and His power to me. And I began to know who He was. It's like I'd never known Him before. Say, you talk about hard to get. Some of you girls, when you guy, you know, walk up and say, Ooh, look at that pretty girl right there. I want to make, I'd like to date you. And the girl says, well, I don't know if I want to date you or not. She plays hard to get. She's really saying, Ooh, I was really hoping he was going to ask me to go out. But she don't tell him that. You girls know where I'm coming from. You've got to play hard to get. You know, if you want the guy to be there, you've got to play hard to get. You can't be a pushover. If you're a pushover, God says in His Word, He says, I don't come and seek you. You seek me. And if you will diligently seek me, and draw near to me, then I will draw near to you. You see? That's the way it works. Because that's the way it's written in the Word. So as you study God's Word, and begin to learn more about this, He will begin to share the truths of His Word with you, and you will get to where you will understand who He is, and then when you begin to pray, you'll begin to pray in faith, and you'll begin to see the King do great and awesome things in your life. And that's what's fun. Isn't it, young lady? Yeah, both of these young ladies. <laughs> like, I can tell them two girls over there like to get their prayers answered. Praise. It's fun serving the Lord when you hear hears and answers your prayers, isn't it? <laughs> it is, absolutely. Then it says in verse 4, And by that same mighty power, which is His mighty power, He has given us all the other rich and wonderful blessings He promised In other words, when you read that in the King James or one of the others, He has given us all things or everything we need for life and godliness. Everything. He didn't cut you short nowhere. But you've got to know Him and spend time with Him. And if you do, then He'll reveal Himself and He'll give you all these great and mighty things. Won't He, Susan? 
Yes, he will. He sure will. And by his mighty power, he'll do it. For instance, the promise to save us from the lust and rottenness all around us and to give us his own character or his own nature. Now, I don't know about you, but I like having God as my nature. I like to be in him. I like to know God like that and have God to be that kind of a God. And also, I certainly like it when he keeps me from the lust and the rottenness of this world. You know, I didn't really know. I had such a blessed life because I had such a great mother and daddy. I mean, I had a mother and daddy that was out of this world. You don't never know what you have until you don't have them no more. You know that? You know, I, if I had my life to live over now, I could look my mother and dad in the face every morning when I woke up and I said, Oh, God, thank you for such a great mom and dad. Well, see, I didn't really, I didn't know what I had. I didn't know what I had. But by having them and them teaching me the right way, and they walked the right way, and they walked in faith, and they, not, not near like the Word says, because they didn't understand really what true faith was. But all the knowledge they had, they did walk in obedience to the Word. My mother and dad taught me to walk in obedience to the Word. And as I did, and I walked holy in obedience to God's Word, guess what he kept me from as I traveled all over the world? As I flew jet airplanes all over the world, as I went to war in Vietnam, I did all the things that any other young boy would be subjected to in life, but I did them all without ever falling to the rottenness of the world. Not one time. You know, I never stole anything from anybody. I didn't lie to people about nothing. I was a person of integrity. I never went with another woman in my life. After my wife and I got married, I never laid a hand on another woman all of those years. I walked holy in obedience to God's Word. Whenever the devil would try to put this rottenness or this lust of pornography or something, somebody would show me something, I said, I don't want that. In fact, one night I was up at, uh, in fact, this even happened after my wife was killed, Betty was killed in a car wreck five years ago. I was going home from church here one night. And I stopped up at a McDonald's to get an ice cream cone. And there was a man walked up to me while I was standing there in the line, four or five people in front of me. And I just standing there and he walked up and said, Sir, would you like to buy this magazine? And I looked at it and it was a pornography magazine. I mean, right there in McDonald's. And I just turned and I said, Son, are you a Christian? <laughs> Boy, he wasn't expecting that. And he said, Well, well, well. Uh, 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 yes. I said, well, then where do you go to church? And I'm talking just that loud. I mean, everybody in McDonald's had turned to see what I was going on. Oh, well, he said, I'm from out of town. I said, I don't care if you're from out of town or where you are. Where do you go to church? Well, I, I don't go. I said, that's what I thought. No man of God would be in here in the McDonald's trying to sell a pornographic magazine if you belong to Jesus Christ. I said, the God I serve would never let you do such a dumb thing as that. And man, this kid's running to the door and out the door. Everybody got a good laugh out of it. Well, let me tell you, there's a difference between men that have been delivered from the lust and the rottenness of the world and those that have not walked in obedience to God's Word and fell to that nonsense. The world's full of them kind. I mean, you can find them everywhere. They're a nickel a dozen, maybe a nickel a thousand, you know. But that's not what God's called us, the church, to be. He's called us to be holy 
and walk in obedience to His Word. That's what He's called us to be. Men and women of integrity. Men and women, you know, that walk holy in obedience to His Word. A God that would be proud of you if He could walk up to you and put His arm around you in the course of the day and say, this is my son. This is my daughter. I'm proud of him or her. How would you like for the king to do that as you walk in the course of the day? You want him to be ashamed of you? I don't. I want him to put his arm around me and say, well done, son. You know, that's what I want him to do. Don't you, David? Amen. That's what he'll do if you'll do what he says. But it's not easy. It's not easy. You've got to realize that the king is there. And when you get the revelation that God is in you, and you can't get away from Him, it will change the words that comes out of your mouth. It will change the way you do business on a day-by-day basis. It will just change everything about you when God becomes real and alive to you. You won't never, you won't never see a true, born-again, spirit-filled child of God on drugs. You won't never see a true, born-again, spirit-filled child of God as a prostitute. You won't see them. They won't be there. I mean, you can see people living every way in the world, but when they become children of God and become possessors of eternal life, when they realize who they are, they will say, I don't live like that. I don't do those kind of things. I don't lie anymore. I don't steal. I don't cheat. I wouldn't dare go to bed with some woman who wasn't my wife. There ain't enough money in the world for me to do that kind of nonsense. But you've got to be a man or a woman of integrity. You've got to know that you're a person of eternal life. You've got to know the king is in you. When you do that, it's no problem. You're not going to fall to the things of the world no more. You're just not going to go there. You won't do those kind of things, will you? No. Absolutely not. Now, there's a lot of Christians out there that's sinning a lot of ways, but they're carnal. They've never become knowledgeable of who they are. A lot of Christians that are living in sin, they're doing all kinds of bad things, but they don't know who they are. They just have never learned. They have never learned their power and their authority over the enemy that this God right here in Second Peter chapter 1 has told us what we can do. They don't know who he is. They've never spent any time with Him. They've never worshipped Him. They've never praised Him. They don't know what it is. That's like a man called me the other night and he said, Thurman, you remember years ago when I called you and asked you just to worship the Lord and I wanted to be on the phone with you? I said, yeah. He said, I didn't know how to worship God. But he just listened as I worshipped the Lord and praised Him and thanked Him. Then, look what he says. And uh, as we go on now, and how he's given us all these good things with his own character. But to obtain these gifts, this is why I put this in the Living Bible, because it's so clear in verse 5. But to obtain these gifts. Now, you know, we all want these things. But he says, but to obtain these gifts, you need more than faith. You need more than just faith, the Word of God. You must also work hard to be good. This is a living Bible. It makes it so clear of what you need to do. 
I mean, somebody said, well, well, I'll be a Christian, but is it easy to be a real Christian? It's not easy. A real Christian has to die to himself. A real Christian has to crucify the flesh daily, second by second. This book is not easy. It's tough, and as we'll see. But you have to also work hard to be good, and even that is not enough. I mean, good grief, what else does he want? Well, let's see what else he wants. For then you must learn to know God better and discover what he wants you to do. Somebody said, oh God, I want to, I want to do what you want me to do, but I don't know what you want me to do. I can tell you what he wants you to do. Get in this Word and study this book and learn who He is. He will reveal Himself to you in the Word. Now, if you don't get in the Word, like Cheryl sings her song, My Daddy's Will said, I guess we need to read the will. Yeah, if you want to know, gee, my husband died and he had a lot of money. I wonder how much he left me. I don't know. Did he leave a will? Yeah. Well, why don't we go read the will and we'll find out what he left you. And that's, this is our daddy's will. We want to find out what he left us? Let me tell you, it's good news. He left you everything. He left you everything. And all you got to do is learn it and believe it and receive it. And if you will, then you can, it'll change your life completely. Totally. Just, I mean, when you talk about that, when you think about all, I'm sure most of you have heard Dave uh, Rosenfeld's testimony of how he was healed from a 40-year-plus incurable disease. And doctors told him his children, he could never have children that have the same thing. And I told him it was a devil. I told him it was a generational curse. I told him, I guarantee you, if you'll do what God says, you'll get healed. Well, he did it, and he got healed. And today, he is wonderfully well. And, you know, some of you know Dave here that's been coming. You see him regularly. Some of you were here and watched him go through and fight his battle. But anyway, today he is totally well. And, of course, that little 10 or 11-month-old bouncing baby boy they got, he's never going to have that disease because they broke the curse with Dave. Praise God. And so that little guy's working. So he learned these things, and he's learning them well. And this, and this, after you do this, and he teaches you what he wants you to do in verse 6, it says, next. You mean this ain't over yet? Next. God wants something else? Next. Learn to put aside your own desires. Oh, my goodness. My own desires? I mean, I've got to give up my life? Yeah, I'm in, I'm in chapter 1, verse 6, but I'm reading out of the Living Bible. That's the only difference. Next, what? Yeah, chapter 1, yeah. yeah. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 6. Next, learn to put aside your own desires so that you will become patient and godly. Patient and godly. Gladly letting God have His way with you. This is a real chore for us to get into this where that we can give our life to God where He can make us what He wants us to be. I mean, we fight tooth and nail to go our own way. I see the fingernail scratches 
you know, as we, Lord, as we're falling, we're grabbing, we're trying to pull ourselves back up into that slush pit of hell. We don't want to go where God wants us to go. I mean, there's, I mean, there's toenails and fingernails and, and kicking and screaming and biting and everything. We don't want to gladly let Him conform us into the image of Christ. It's not easy. It's definitely not easy. Then He said, verse 7, this will make possible the next step. I love this translation. When you read this in the Living Bible, it is so clear. This will make possible the next step, which is for you to enjoy other people. Hey, I like that, don't you? So if you don't do all them other things, you're not going to be able to enjoy other people when they're around you. I like to be somewhere where I can enjoy people sit around and talk. Don't you, David? Sure. I love it when I can get there where I can enjoy people. And he says... And to like them. Goodness gracious, you mean i got to like people? Oh, that's real easy to like people that's likable. But do you know a few that's not very lovable? I do. Guarantee there's lots of them out there. Isn't there? There's a lot of them out there that's very difficult. And then it says, and finally, and finally you'll not only like them, you'll grow to love them. You'll grow to love them. And not only just love them, but you'll love them deeply. Wow. Verse 8. The more you go on in this way, the more you go on in this way, the more you will grow strong spiritually. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to grow strong spiritually. And become, and become fruitful and useful to our Lord Jesus Christ. Want to just think about this now. This is what he sent you here to do, is to be fruitful for his kingdom, to produce fruit. He says in his word, he sent us to produce fruit. He said, if you don't produce fruit, I'll cut you off. That's kind of scary too, isn't it? Most people don't believe that. Do you know that if we believed that God would cut us off, that means take our life from us. And if he would do that because we're not fruitful... Most Christians would be a whole lot more fruitful if they thought that what fruit they produced was going to determine how long they lived and the class of life that you would live. You know, I've told this story many times, but I think about this young girl out there at Justin that when she was 16 years old, her mother and dad came to my Bible study class and they were great Christians, supposedly. But at 16 years old... As a Christian, she moved in with a young boy that was not a Christian. Now, that's the number one mistake. Number one, the Lord says, a born-again Christian girl is to have nothing to do with an unborn-again lost boy. But it's like we don't know this. So anyway, she moved in with this boy, started going with this boy, and moved in with this boy. And her daddy come and asked me to go talk to her. Well, I went and talked to her. But she said, Mr. Scrivener, this body is mine. I'll do anything with it I want to. Well, now see, that's a lie too. If you belong to Jesus, this body, you are not your own, are you? You sold it lock, stock, and barrel to the king, right? So he has the right to do with that body whatever he wants to, doesn't he? Yes, he does. But see, we don't want to yield to him. We don't belong to her. 1 Corinthians 6.19, in case you don't know where that's found. You're not your own. You're bought with a price. The price of the only begotten Son of the living God. By His blood, He bought you, but you had to sell yourself to Him. 
He didn't force you. He, God don't force nobody to become a Christian. He says, you know, if you want to become my child, here it is. This is the requirements. Just come and accept me. And if you say, okay, Lord, I want you. He says, okay, good. Now I'll see what I can do to make something out of you because you were certainly headed down the wrong track on your own. And so we, if we yield to him, he starts doing wonderful things through our life. But this young girl, she wouldn't yield to the Lord. She went the wrong way. And she got pregnant and had a baby. And then she got pregnant and had another baby. And her daddy asked me to go again, which I did. And I went and talked to her again still. She said, no, yes, I am a Christian. And I said, this boy is not a Christian. He didn't want nothing to do with Jesus. He said, I don't believe in that stuff. He said, I just live. I just do what I want to do. And I don't want nothing to do with God. Okay. I mean, you know, can't you can drag him up there and show him, but you can't make him drink. But he didn't want nothing to do with God. So, but I told her, I said, young lady, I'm just going to tell you this. I want you to listen very carefully. The Word of God says in 1 Corinthians, clearly says twice that if you are a daughter of the king and you abuse your body with sexual immorality, God will kill, destroy your flesh. So I said, you know, she said, I don't believe that. God would never kill me. I said, well, he said he would in the Word. He said he will. She said, I don't believe that. I said, okay. That's what's wrong with us. We don't believe the word. But anyway, she had a third baby. And after the third baby was born, it was one month old. Baby seen all three of her children had appeared to be normal. And she was normal and her husband was normal. But that night when the baby was about a month old, the baby was sleeping with them. And they went to bed together. And the next morning, the husband woke up and the baby woke up. But the mother was stone dead at 21. Stone dead. I can show you where her grave is right out there in Justin at the cemetery right now. Every time I go out there and I go to visit my wife and daughter's grave, when I look right over there, there's hers. I think there's a little girl I tried to tell the truth to. She wouldn't believe it. She only lived 21 years. And it's over. But I told her the answers was in here. I told her what God would do. But she wouldn't believe him. But see, God makes us lots of promises in the word. He makes lots of statements. But people don't believe. And it's sad. It's sad. So he says here in verse 9, he says, But anyone who fails to go after these additions to faith is blind indeed. So anybody that does not get in the Word, does not study it, does not do what the Lord says so you can produce fruit for the kingdom of God, the Lord says you are blind indeed. And he says, mine says after you're blind indeed, your faith to faith is blind indeed, or at least very short-sighted and has forgotten that God delivered him from the old life of sin so that now he can live a strong, good life for the Lord. In other words, if the Lord delivered you from sin, you should be living a good, strong life of faith. You know, but many of us don't. Verse 10 says, So, dear brothers, work hard. Work diligently. You know, don't, not haphazardly. You know, not flippantly. It says, work hard. Work diligently. To prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. To prove that you're a son of God. 
You know, you're supposed to be doing good things for the kingdom. People are supposed to know you by your works. I mean, when you, how would you like to be the Christian? You walk into your workplace and you've been watching the same TV shows. You walk in and the guy says, what do you think about that certain, certain show last night on TV? You said, oh man, yeah, and you're talking about it and it was one of these wicked things or, or whatever or a soap opera or something like that. And yet you watch it and you feed that stuff into you and you're talking about that at work. And so that's the way they know you. I mean, you tell the same kind of dirty jokes and everything else. And somebody says, is anybody in this place a Christian? Oh, everybody knows what Christians are supposed to be like. I said, well, no, there ain't nobody here. Couldn't be nobody here Christians. Somebody said, well, so-and-so there, he's a Christian. I said, him? He tells the same dirty jokes we do. He goes to the same movies we do. He cusses just as bad, maybe worse than we do. He's a Christian? What a shame. That's the way some are. They've never read the book. They've never realized the requirements. So, see, they're carnal. And those kind of people don't get their prayers answered either. You know, they die prematurely. So it says, So, dear brothers, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. And then you will never stumble or fall away. Never stumble or fall away. King James says the same thing. He says you'll never fall. Never fall. But you've got to do all these things to not fall or stumble. You have to exercise. You have to exercise. You know, if you, if you sat down in a chair and you didn't do anything all day long, except somebody brings something to you to eat and you didn't get up and you didn't walk for a year, did you know you couldn't walk in a year? Your body wouldn't work. But yet there was nothing wrong with you, but you just didn't exercise the muscles in your body. Your body would not work. It could not walk. You can destroy yourself by not exercising what God gives you. Well, if you don't exercise these gifts of faith that God gives you, they're going to drop on the vine too. You have to exercise the Word of God if you want it to work. So, and it says... In verse 11, it says, And God will open wide the gates of heaven for you to enter into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Boy, that's a good promise. Then verse 12 says, I plan to keep on reminding you of these things, even though you already know them and are really getting along quite well. Why do you think God sent preachers and teachers? To keep reminding you of His Word. And you know, when I teach and preach to you, you know who I'm preaching and teaching to? Me. Absolutely. You know, I got one sticking out there to you and three sticking back at me, see? So, I mean, we all are subject to the same things. So we have to preach to ourselves. And... uh, In verse uh, 18, verse 19 rather, I'm going to go and skip a few things there. And Paul will say, there, so I'm to impress these things upon you clearly so you remember them long after I have gone. So in verse 15, but verse 19, so we have seen and proved that what the prophet said came true. You will do well to pay close attention to everything they have written. We will do well if we pay close attention to what 
has been written in this book. You know, I run into people all the time that say, but Thurman, the Bible is just an old book a bunch of men wrote. You can't depend on that book. Hey, you can put your life on this book. This book will save you. It will heal you. It will deliver you. It will make your body strong. It will do, I mean, just like Dave Rosenfeld, 40 years old with incurable terminal disease or an incurable disease that no doctor could heal. No doctor. Impossible. What you have is impossible. When he come to me, I told him, Dave, no problem. I can guarantee you if you'll do what God says in his word, I'll guarantee you if you'll do it like he said it, I guarantee you'll get well. Guarantee it. And he did it and he stood on it and he fought the fight of faith. And today, he's totally well, isn't he, Deborah? Totally, completely well. I mean, wonderful. I mean, absolutely wonderful. So, it says, if you will do well, it will, it will, if you to pay close attention to everything for that these men have written, for they are like lights shining in the dark corners. Their words help us to understand many things that otherwise would be dark and difficult. But when you consider the wonderful truth of the prophet's words, then the light will dawn in your souls and Christ the morning star will shine in your hearts. You've got to get the word down into you. It's got to become a reality to you. Just like this young man over here, he's been listening. He's new to our group. He just got a hold of us a, a couple of weeks ago and he just, just listened to my teaching about Caitlin's miracle. And he said, that's, that's amazing. I said, well, yes, it is amazing. But I said, I serve an amazing God. You know, I mean, when you take a little girl that's three years old in a car wreck and her skull is crushed in five places and all these bones around her eyes are all broken, and crushed and her face is twice the size with all the cuts and bruises and everything that's on it and her eyes are jerked out of her brain and her brain stem is severed just to start off with, that's enough to kill any normal human being. I mean, that'll take care of anybody. Plus, not counting the rest of the things that were wrong with the rest of her body. But I stood on this magnificent book with these magnificent promises. And today, that little girl is eight years old, making straight A's in the second grade and can outrun any girl in the second grade without a single surgery. And I did it with the Word of God. Now, if I can do it with the Word of God, of course, Rosemary, and, you know, she's holding her hand. Rosemary sees her regularly out there at the ministry center. She comes running in there and plays with us. But she's an awesome little girl, isn't she? I mean, beautiful little girl, perfectly. I mean, just runs and plays and comes out there with Kathy's little girl. Both of them named Caitlin. And both the little Caitlins just run and play and have a good time. Well, let me tell you, the Word of God is what brought that little girl back from the dead. The Word of God. It brought her back. I stood on these promises with no doubt in my heart. And it, all these things are written in the Word. They're there. And you can do them. But now then... <clears throat> Let's uh, go to verse 20. For no prophecy recorded in Scripture was ever thought of by the prophet himself. It was the Holy Spirit within these godly men who gave them true messages from God. This is what we have. But in verse chapter 2, verse 1 says, But there were false prophets too. False prophets. In those days, just as there will be false teachers among you. False teachers among you. And if you don't believe there's not a few false teachers out there, you just need to start listening to what they teach. 
There's a lot of false teachers out there. That's why I say, if what I say does not line up with the Word of God, then you need to throw it out the window. If it does not line up with the Word, you don't want to listen to it. You only want to listen to what the king says, right? I don't care what your opinion is. You know, I hear a while back I was in a church and a pastor got up and read one verse. He said, now I'm going to give you my opinion of what this means. And he talked for about 30 minutes around one verse. And his opinion was so far from what God said in his word. I wanted to stand up and say, I'm fed up with your opinions. Why don't you get back to what the word says? But I didn't do it. But I felt like it. I don't care what you think. You know, if it doesn't line up with the Word, then it is no good. Your opinion will not produce any results. You know, it's just an opinion. But that's just like people say all the time. Well, you know, God understands that uh, I lost my husband two years ago or three years ago. And he doesn't mind if I move in with another man. He understands. Me and God got a deal. Yeah, you got a deal, all right. It's written in the Word of God. This is the only deal there is. There is no deals outside of the Word of God. But you know what? A lot of people don't want to hear what God says. They want, they want to hear you say, oh, it's okay. Oh, my son, he got saved when he was 10. But he's 23 now, and he hadn't been in church in about 10 years. And he's living with a girl, and he's got a baby out of wedlock. But I know he's okay. If he dies, he'll go to heaven. I'm telling you, he ain't going. He ain't going. The boy's been lied to. But I know, but I heard once saved, always saved. If you really got saved, then you ain't going to be out there living in that sin. You're going to be obeying God's Word. And that's why the people don't get their prayers answered. But there was false prophets then, and there's going to be false teachers today. If somebody tells you it's okay to sin, I mean, if they tell you it's okay to sin, that don't line up with the Word, does it? No. The Word says we are not to sin. So, what do you do? You know, if you are told one thing and it doesn't line up with what's written in the Word. Well, I'm going to tell you. I don't care what anybody says if it doesn't line up with the Word. I'm not interested. And another thing, too, I had a man walk in my office the other day and says, What teachers do you listen to? I said, Very few, except the Holy Spirit. I do listen to a few, but most of my teachers, I read the Word of God. What commentaries do you use? I said, The Holy Spirit. He's the one. I use Him more than any. I said, People give me books all the time. I got a bunch of them, and a lot of them... Up until the last 10 years, I read them. But in the last 10 years, I've read very few books beside the Bible. I can find everything I need in it with the Holy Spirit. I don't need nobody else. But the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, that's all you need. You can learn everything you need right there. But it says there's going to be false teachers. False teachers. Somebody said it would be impossible. You might get a false teacher, but not a bunch of them. Oh, yeah. But you know, I've read up to six and eight commentaries on a given verse in the Bible, and every one of them be wrong. Every one of them. They didn't say what the Word says, so they're wrong. So they try to explain it. And if it's not what the Word says, then they're wrong. So I don't understand this. I do not understand how we can read the Bible and it says. In fact, I had a lady write me the other day, and she says, what does it mean in Matthew 18, 19, if two of us agree about anything, what does that mean? 
How do you explain that? Well, if Jesus said, if two of us on earth agree about anything, it'll be done for you by my Father in heaven. What do you think he meant? You think he meant that? Yeah. Now then, it does mean anything that's in accordance with his will. You know. It's not like some guy walks in and says, you know, I'm a single man. And you sure are a pretty girl. God just spoke to me and told me you're going to be my wife. And you said, well, okay, I can go for that. But he ain't told me nothing yet. So until he tells me something, we're not going to go nowhere together do nothing until God speaks to me. You know, we ain't going nowhere. Because if God's going to do something, you think he's going to speak only on one side? Absolutely not. If he's really in it, he's going to talk to both of you. He's not going to do something halfway. So don't fall into those lies. You know, there's false teachers. In fact, I just just sadly heard a story about a lady that her husband, he, he was an airline pilot. And, of course, I used to be an airline pilot, so these kind of stories kind of intrigue me. But her husband got killed. And he was only in his mid-40s. And so he, got a, he had a real nice... Uh, uh, life insurance policy for his wife or everything and it was over a million dollars and everything and had a, a big nice home and everything that was all paid for when when he got killed everything was free and clear and and she got a million dollars a lovely guy moved right in within a matter of few days began to woo her tell her how sorry he was you know make her feel so good Wants to take her out to dinner, you know, because he's so compassionate. She just lost her husband. And the first thing you know, he entices her to marry him. And she does. And in one year, and in one year, this guy has completely destroyed everything she's got. The million dollars is gone. And now she had to kick him out and divorce him. And he left and she don't have nothing. Isn't that a shame? Isn't that a shame? Well, let me tell you, this, them kind of guys are a nickel to the thousand. You can buy them kind of guys for a nickel by the thousands. They're worthless. They're not men of God. But she picked the wrong one. But you know what? She probably wasn't serving God either. And that's why she got took to the cleaners. If she had been a woman of God, had been walking by the Spirit, the Spirit would have told her. And she would have never fell. She would have known better, right, Pamela? She would have known she would have not fell. But when we're led by the flesh, we get taken every time. Then it says, after these, there'll be false teachers among you. They will cleverly tell you lies about God. Turning against even their master who bought them, but theirs will be a swift and terrible end. I don't want to be one of those guys, do you? That's in verse 1. Verse 2, it might, the Living Bible says, Many will follow their evil teaching, but there is no, that there is nothing wrong with sexual sin. Boy, you can hear that. You can see that everywhere, can't you? I mean, everywhere. Do you know we've got churches today that are ordaining homosexuals in the pulpit? It's okay. God understands. <laughs> yeah, He understands okay. Wow. 
Yep. Wow. Yeah, he understands okay. I sure wouldn't want to be one of them, would you? Oh, no. I wouldn't want to be one of them. But many, many, it says, will follow their evil teaching that there is nothing wrong with sexual sin. And because of them, Christ and his ways will be scoffed at. And that's something. These teachers, in their greed, will tell you anything to get hold of your money. Just think, that's what this guy did to this poor woman. He spent a million dollars. Did you know, if that woman had run into, if she'd have been a woman of God, I don't really know her that well, but if she'd have been a real woman of God, and she'd have got godly counsel, she'd have went to the church and found out who the most godly man in that church was that knew about finances. You know, she could have taken a million dollars and put it in some kind of tax-free entity. And she could have drawn fifty to 60000 a year off of just that million dollars for the rest of her life and never touched a million dollars. And with a paid-for house and everything else, what can you do with fifty grand a year? Hey, you ain't going to starve, right? I mean, fifty grand a year is not bad if you got a home paid for and everything, you know, and a car and everything. Hey, I, I think I could live pretty good on that, don't you? Yeah. These teachers, but after that, get your money. It says, but God condemned them long ago and their destruction is on the way. These people are going to get what's right for theirs. But verse 4 says, for God did not spare even the angels who sinned. I mean, he's a just God, isn't he? He did not even spare angels who sinned, but he threw them into hell Chained in gloomy caves and darkness until the day of judgment. This all this stuff in the Bible? It's in here, isn't it? Ooh. It ought to it ought to scare us, you know, it, it ought to make us think. I mean I don't I don't uh, I don't really like to dwell on these kind of things, but if you don't know the consequences of being evil, hey did you know it's kind of like daddy with the board? How many of you ever had a daddy or a mother? And unfortunately, many of people I know today didn't have a daddy. They had a mother only. And mother didn't know what a belt was. And they never spanked their kids at all. And you know what them kids grow up to be like? They're useless, most of them. You know, you have to have fear. If you got a daddy... And you do something that's wrong, and he takes you in there and says, Now, son, this is going to hurt me more than it does you, but I'm going to guarantee you're going to do what I say. And if you don't, this is what you're going to get. And he whap, whap, whap about three licks with a belt across his backside. The next time that little critter starts to do something wrong, and then the dad says, Hey, he'll immediately, Oh, 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 yeah, dad, I remember. I remember. Have I been there and done that a few times? Yeah, you done it? You, you remember those too, huh, David? That'll straighten me and you up, wouldn't it? It did me. My dad had a razor strap. That, and that thing was about that wide. Some of y'all don't even know what a razor strap is in this day. You know what? <laughs> Elder, he knows what it was too. Because <laughs> you knew what that thing could do to your backside, right? 
Woo, and it doesn't feel good. So, and he says, and listen to what he says, when God did not spare the angel, but chained him. Verse 5 said, and he did not spare any of the people who lived in ancient times before the flood, except Noah. Noah was the only man that was righteous enough for God to save. And the one man who spoke up for God, Noah spoke for God. I mean, he would tell people that the Lord, you know, straighten up your act. And I can only imagine as Noah was out there building this boat. It, you, anybody know how long it took Noah to build this big ship? How long? 120. That's right. It took him 120 years to build this ship. Now, you got to he didn't have no power plant out there. They didn't have no electricity. The only power plant they had is this. Where did they get those saws? How did they make all this stuff? You know, I don't understand this. I don't know how they did it. But I would hate to be given the chore by the Lord today with the tools and equipment we have today. And the cranes and everything else, I'd hate to be given the chore to build a ship 450 feet long. 75 or 100 feet wide, or was that 150 feet wide? 150, I believe it was, and 75 feet tall. That's seven and a half, nearly eight stories tall. Hey, this wasn't no little boat. I'd, I'd hate to have, I'd hate to be given that chore. You know, I, if God was to tell me, you, Eldon, <laughs> you two boys, you only got one chore left. That's build me a boat. Just a little one. I only want a 450 foot long. Even with the tools we got today. The, that, oh Lord, we gotta have some help, right? Oh, land said we gotta have some help. My goodness. But just think, Noah's out there building his ship. It ain't never rained. And he's telling everybody come by every day, repent. It's going to rain. There's going to come a flood and you're all going to die if you don't turn and serve God. Who's <laughs> this old fool? Rain? What's rain? Noah said, it's going to rain. Because of your wickedness, God's going to destroy the earth. Is this old fool. Sure, it's going to rain. Ah, ha, ha. Can't you just see him laughing at Noah and his family as they walk on by? I can only see them making fun of him. 120 years he worked on this boat. And then... All these animals began to come from all over the world, two by two. And they walked right up into the boat. And then God closed the gate and sealed it up. And it started raining. And not only did it rain, but the fountains from the deep began to burst open. The ground began to burst open. And huge torrents of water began to gush out of the ground. Torrents of water. And in a matter of a very short period of time, everybody on the earth was dead, except Noah and his family. Eight people was all that was alive, floating out there on that ocean of water. Wow. Wow. But he did not spare any of the people who lived in ancient times because... Before the flood, except Noah, the one man who spoke up for God and his family of seven. At that time, God completely destroyed the whole world of ungodly men with this vast flood. 
Later, he turned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into heaps of ashes. Who turned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into heaps of ashes? God did. That's what it says, isn't it? It says, In God turned, he turned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into heaps of ashes and blotted them off the face of the earth, making them an example for all the ungodly in the future to look back upon and fear. Does people really think Sodom and Gomorrah really happened? Most people today don't even believe it really happened. Much less are we going to look back and look upon it in fear. Oh, I know. You're absolutely right. There is historical proof. Yes, ma'am. I will agree. But you know, you can find all kinds of historical proof and still there people say, I don't believe that. You know, if it's God, you know, there is people alive on the face of the earth today that if Jesus Christ were to walk up and say, I am Jesus, that's, I don't believe that. Do a miracle for me if you're God. They wouldn't believe it. But you know what? When the king comes, guess who's going to know who he is? We're going to know who he is because we're going to have that witness from our spirits. This is our king. We're going to know this is our king. There's going to be no doubt. Then he says in verse 7, But in the same time the Lord, and he rescued Lot out of Sodom because he was a good man. He was sick of the terrible wickedness he saw everywhere around him day after day. If you're, if you're sick of sin and everything, God will deliver you from that too, just like he said here. Verse 9. So also the Lord can rescue you and me from the temptations that surround us and continue to punish the ungodly until the day of final judgment comes. It's a good day to belong to Jesus. That's all I got to say. Isn't it, young lady? It's a good day to belong to Jesus. He will deliver you from the trash of the world. Then verse 10 says, He is especially hard on those who follow after their own evil, lustful thoughts. Now boy, that could either be a Christian or a non-Christian. You ever stop to think about it like that? God can be very hard on a Christian or an unbeliever. Because if you don't believe God will judge a Christian quickly, when you really get into sin, just keep sinning. And watch and see what he does. I mean, he is quick to judge us. I mean, you have to be careful. Really careful. Because these evil spirits that are watching us, they know what their job is. A police officer. Just like the other day. We were driving down the road with a friend of mine. We were driving down the road and the speed limit went from 55 to 45. Well, he slowed down, and we're driving through a little community, a little tiny country town, just a wide spot in the road. But they had a 35-mile-an-hour school zone. I mean, the school was way back on another block. No school there, but the flashing light said school zone 35, and we both missed it. I didn't see it, and he didn't see it. He was driving. Thank goodness. (laughs) We were driving 50. We were still driving 50. And we went through the school zone at 50. We get all the way out the edge of town. There's a little guy in front of us starts to pull off. And he said, he looked, he said, oh my goodness, Thurman is a police officer. I wonder if he's after him or me. 
I look, he looked down and said, I'm not speeding. Well, we pulled off and that guy pulled off and he pulled off right behind us. So the guy in front of us began to ease on out and the guy got out of his car and he said, I believe he's after us. And so we didn't do anything wrong. We didn't think. He said, can I see your driver's license, insurance? He said, sure. So we handed him all that stuff and he says, uh, did you know that you came through a school zone at 50? He said, I didn't see it. I said, isn't this something? I started laughing. And the guy said, what are you laughing at? I said, here we are, two pastors. <laughs> two pastors, me and another pastor, driving down the road, and we're driving 50 miles an hour through a school zone, and the guy started laughing himself. I said, now what are you laughing at? He said, I'm a chaplain myself. <laughs> <laughs> I said, great, we got a chaplain to stop two pastors for going through a school zone. He said, I still got to check you guys out. So he went back and got on his deal, you know, and he checked us out and he came back. He said, you're clean. You hadn't had a ticket in forever. But he said, you know what? If it hadn't been a school zone, I'd let you go. But since it's a school zone, I'm going to have to give you a ticket. So he did. And the ticket was well over $200. Had written on the back, you know, 15 mile an hour. The school zone's 200 plus dollars. So... You know what it teaches us to do? You know what that other pastor did many times that day? He said, I have not looked down at the dash all day long. He said, by the way, do you know we're nearly out of gas too? I guess I better pull in somewhere and get some gas. We were so busy talking about the Lord, we were not paying attention to business. But when you live in the world, what do you have to do? You've got to pay attention to business. There we were speeding, and now that we're fixing to walk, because we're out of gas. We were fixing to take a side trip and go way off out in the country and look at something out there. And he said, nope, we can't go out there. We've got to go down here to the first service station because my gas gauge is on hard empty. Now see, if we hadn't got the ticket, we'd have had to walk from no telling where. I told him, I said, I don't want to wish any bad luck on you, but I'm sure glad you got stopped. At least I didn't have to walk. <laughs> but you see... When we don't pay attention to business, you see what can happen to us? I mean, not only in the physical world we live in, but what about the spiritual world? If we don't pay attention to the rules and we break God's laws, these enforcing agencies, just like this guy, although he was a chaplain, he was a police officer. He was a chaplain down here in Arlington, but he was a police officer out here in this little town five days a week. And he did both things. So, these evil spirits that are all around us, demons, they are the enforcing agency for the kingdom of God. Whenever we sin, they got legal right to us. So, they, they jump right in there. They know what their job is. They're watching, just like that police officer. We went by there, and if we'd have been driving 35 in that speed, he would have never even looked up. You know, his radar would have said, 35, those two boys, he don't know who we are, but they're right on the money, no problem, they can go do what they want to do. But we were not doing 35, we were going 50. We were breaking the law. So you and I, when we break God's law, there is a demon that's assigned to us, many demons more than likely, that these critters, they are specialists in different areas. You know what I mean? They are specialists in different areas. So if you sin lying, there is a spirit that will attack your throat or your tongue. You know? 
If you sin other ways, they will attack that part of your body. In fact, in the do you have the book of wisdom in that? Read book 1116 uh, in the book of wisdom. Uh, the Catholic Bible has an extra book called the book of wisdom. And chapter 11, verse 16, I want to see what it says. 11.16. Yeah, I want you to... And let, let me get you a mic, David. I want everybody to hear what that says when you read it. Okay, it starts... Uh, really, the sentence starts in the middle of 15. Okay. It says, You sent upon them swarms of dumb creatures for vengeance, that they might recognize that a man is punished by the very things through which he sins. Ooh. We bring about our own punishment by our own behavior. Is that awesome? Is that awesome? It's in the Word. It's in the Word. Now, see, if you have a uh, regular Bible, you don't have that. But the Catholic Bible has that in there. It has the Book of Wisdom. Isn't that amazing? See, I teach these things because it has just become a reality to me, you know, that I've got to where I notice. In fact, I've come to learn that people that have cancer almost every time, not every time, but every, almost 100% of the time, they've been in unforgiveness. Almost every time, unforgiveness will bring a demon of cancer upon your flesh. And, and he'll kill you. He'll kill you. You know, and it's, it's just amazing the different kinds of diseases that come upon us, just like that book says right there in the book of wisdom. It's right there, isn't it? Right there, you know. How many times have I seen different parts of people's body that if they sin with their hand, something happens to their hand? They lose a finger. Or they lose the whole hand. Or the hand gets where you can't use it. Or you sin with your eyes. Like I, I know of a case personally where a man had cancer in the back of his eye. I went to him and sat down with him and talked to him. And I found out he was hooked on pornography. I told him, I said, if you keep watching that stuff, it's going to destroy your eyes. This guy's only 38 or so years old. I told him, I said, if you will repent, I can pray for you and God will heal you. And so he said, I promise I'll never look at it again. I didn't have any idea. That's what was bringing the cancer in my eye. He repented. I prayed for him. And six months later, I heard that he was dead. And I contacted his wife and I said, what happened? She said, you weren't gone hardly any time at all. And he was right back in that pornography, even worse than he was ever. He said, I don't believe that's what causes my cancer. But it killed him with cancer of his eye. Isn't that amazing? It's confirmed right there in the Word. Wisdom 11.16. It's right there. Isn't that amazing? So if you've got a problem with some part of your body... Or you're sinning some way with a part of your body, I can guarantee you that part will be afflicted. It makes no difference what it is. Whether it's a hand, an arm, a foot, an eye, or whatever part of your body. So, don't sin 
and you don't have to have no concerns. Because in verse 10 says, He is especially hard on those who follow their own evil, lustful thoughts and those who are proud and willful, daring even to scoff at the glorious ones without so much as trembling. Wow. That's some pretty heavy stuff in there. I want you to go right on over to verse 14. Verse 14, same chapter. Well, actually, I guess I, I really can't skip anything. I hate to do that, but it just don't work when I do that. Verse 12, false teachers are fools, no better than animals. They do whatever they feel like. Born only to be caught and killed, they laugh at the terrifying powers of the underworld, which they know so little about. Laugh at the terrifying power of the underworld. Who do you think that is? Satan and his host of demons. That's who he's talking about there. They don't know anything about it. I mean, lots of people I see say, I don't believe in demons. I don't believe there is a devil. I mean, I hear people all the time talk about that. Well, it don't make no difference whether you don't believe it or not. They're here. They're here. You know? Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I know they're here and you know they're here, but some people don't believe there's such thing as demons. And, but let me tell you, they're here. But they know so little about this. And they will be destroyed along with all the demons and powers of hell. Then we go over to verse 13 and said, and this is the pay. Now these people are being destroyed along with these demons of hell because all of them will be destroyed at the end. But it said, this is the pay that these teachers will leave or have for their own sin. For they live in evil pleasure day after day. Evil pleasure day after day. They are a disgrace and a stain among you. They're among us. Deceiving you by living in foul sin on the side while they join your love feast as though they were honest men. Some of you girls, you ought to tremble in your boots when you select the man even from the church to go to. You need to be very careful because right here we're seeing that there's men in the church that are just there as brute beasts to take you to the cleaners. To kill you and destroy you. So be careful. Be very careful. The devil has sent these critters. No woman, in verse 14, wow, that's living Bible says, no woman can escape their sinful stare. Their sinful stare. And of adultery, they never have enough. They make a game of luring unstable women. Don't be an unstable woman. Be a stable one. Read the Word. Don't fall to the ways of the devil. They train themselves to be greedy and they are doomed and cursed. Now, that's another reason we see all kinds of sickness and disease in the church today because God is judging these kind of people. People that live like that. People that profess to be Christians, but yet they're sick and afflicted like that. And did you know that those 
people that meet this criteria right here we just read about, you can't get them healed. You can't get them healed. You can do everything you want to do, and you cannot get them healed. Because they're probably, they have lived in such sinful, lustful ways that it's impossible for them to receive. God's not going to heal them. I've seen it. I've seen him. He has told me before of people that he would not heal because of their sins. Don't pray for that person. I am not going to heal that person because of their sin. Isn't that amazing? That's scary. That's really scary. But you know, these people have been warned over and over and over and over. And most of them have been given years to repent. And they would not. Finally, one day God says, that's it. I've had it. I'm going to take him out. And you know, when I went and prayed for him and says, God, I know you're going to heal this man. I went and prayed, anointed him with oil, done every kind of thing. And then they die. And I think, Lord, why? Especially this one man. I stayed on my face before God for two and a half hours. I said, Lord, this was a great man of God. And I want to know why this man was sick. And I want to know why he didn't get healed when I prayed for him. Did I sin? I thought maybe I said, Lord, did I do something wrong? Because you don't never know. And finally, the Lord spoke to me. He said, no, son, the problem was not yours. He said, the answer to your request is in John 15, 2. Well, I didn't know what John 15, 2 said, but I flipped over to John 15, 2. And he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And every branch in me that produces no fruit, I cut it off. That's scary too, isn't it? So, he told me right there, said, that man for ten years had produced absolutely no fruit for my kingdom. Since he didn't produce any fruit for my kingdom, why should I leave him there? So he said, I cut him off. It might not have had any impact on anybody else, but it sure did me. I want to live to be an old, healthy, happy man. I didn't want to die at 55 or 6 like he did. You know, I ain't through living yet. I'm having so much fun. Aren't you, Donna? Yes, praise the Lord. We want to be young. In fact, the other day I was, I was looking at, at a magazine. I stopped in the barbershop the other day to get a haircut. And there was a magazine laying there. And I read just a little. And there was a picture of a guy. 100 years old, just flew his twin airplane down to Florida to a reunion. I said, that's me. That's me in about 33 more years. I'm going to be flying my twin, huh? Well, I'm going to get one. We are getting one. We are getting an airplane. Isn't that something? Next week. Next week, yeah, next week. Yeah, one of the one of the men in the church has bought a brand new airplane. He's going to let me fly it. Isn't that awesome? He can't beat a deal like that. <laughs> Dave Rosenfeld, I, Dave, he's a, he's a, a great man. And I, I said I can't stand to think about this man spending this much money for a brand new airplane when we could take half of that and go buy a twin. You know, that was 20 years old. That would just be wonderful. We could fly faster and carry more people and everything. But nope. Start off with, he's going to buy a brand new one. And so Dave told me the other day, he said, Well, Thurman, just back off and grin and bear it. You're just going to have to be forced to fly a new one for a little while. 
<laughs> Most of us would love to fly or drive a new car, right? Or fly a new airplane. I've never had the privilege to fly a new airplane short of the big jets. Now, I have went and picked up brand new jets that cost millions of dollars and flew them for the airline. But I had never owned a brand new small airplane. They are very expensive. They're not something, the average toy that you go down and buy. But anyway, uh, he's going to buy one. And next week, we're going to go up to Kansas and pick it up. So, now then, it says here in verse 18, They boldly, boldly boast about their sins and conquest and using lust as their, their bait. They lure back into sin those who have just escaped from such wicked living. Can you just see somebody in the church that they're, they're one of those persons that's been out there in wicked living and they finally, somebody brought them to church and they learned about Jesus and they got off of this and they realized they're saved now and they're all on fire for Jesus and one of these kind of guys, you know, befriends them and draws them back out slowly and within six months or a year, they're right back out in the world where they was and the devil's laughing all the way. But yet the devil has sent these kind of people in the church to do this to us. You don't have to walk holy. You aren't saved by being good, verse 19 says. So you might as well be bad. That's really what he's saying there. You're not saved by being good, in verse 19. So you might as well be bad. Do what you like. Be free. You ever hear anybody talk like this? Sure. It's wonderful. Just be free. You only live once. You know. They'll make you. They'll do everything they can to get you out of the kingdom of God. Back into the sins of the flesh. That devil. But these very teachers who offer you this freedom from this freedom from law are themselves slave to sin and destruction. After all, they will tell you, you're not under the law. You're under grace. So once saved, always saved, you can do anything you want to do. No problem. It's okay. You ain't buying that lie no more, are you, girl? No. Now then, you are not under law as long as you walk in love and do what God says. Sure. Oh, yeah. But now, once saved, always saved, if you walk in obedience to the Word. If you walk in love, you walk in grace. And once saved, always saved. But now, you can't come in and say, okay, I'm going to make Jesus my Savior. And then three months later, you're back out in the world living the same rotten, corrupted life and somebody says but you're saved remember you went down to that church and you accepted Jesus or somebody led you to Jesus out here on the street and you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior but now then come on back out here you can get back on these drugs you can get back on this alcohol you can get back in sleeping with boys and girls out of wedlock God understands you're saved now have fun did we just read about these guys did we just read about them yeah they're in here aren't they This is, look what he says. 
But these very teachers who offer you this freedom from law are themselves slave to sin and destruction. For a man is a slave to whatever controls him. You're a sin, a slave to whatever controls you. And when a person has escaped from the wicked ways of the world by learning about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and then gets tangled up with sin and becomes its slave again, he is worse off than he was before. Man, it's tough stuff here in Peter, isn't it? And, but did your Bible read like that, Donna? Yes, absolutely. You're worse than you was before you became a Christian. In other words, if you, just like Paul, Paul, remember what Paul said. He said, I was so zealous for God, I was killing Christians. But he said, I did it ignorantly. The Lord came and appeared to me in a vision and said, Paul, what are you doing? Lord, who are you? He said, I'm Jesus of Nazareth. And right there, Paul came to know Jesus because God struck him blind. He can't see. And so he had, and he fell off a horse and everything. Then he took him on over there to Damascus. And then he said, Ananias over there. He said, Ananias, go over and lay hands on my servant Saul. And I'll open his eyes and fill him with the Holy Ghost. And Ananias said, Lord, I ain't going over there. That guy's here to kill us. You mean you're going to not obey me, Ananias? See, Ananias had the same problem the rest of us do. When God speaks to you, you go by what you see instead of the king. You know, we ought, if God speaks to us, we ought to say, oh, praise God, I know Paul must have got saved. But if you tell me to go over and lay hands on him, you're going to open his eyes and fill him with the Holy Ghost. I know you fix to do something good with this guy. But see, we, even as children of God, still think too much like the world, don't we? But Ananias went over there and he laid his hands on him. And the Lord opened his eyes. And then Paul said, God has forgiven me for what I did because I did it ignorantly. Now then, if we, what do you think would have happened to Paul if he'd have turned his back on God? Now he starts killing Christians again. You just like me, you gritted your teeth on that one. Ooh, it wouldn't have been no fun, would it? No, God could have took him out, couldn't he? Yeah. So what do you think he might do to some of us if we learn the truth and go to church for a year or two years or five years and then all of a sudden... We think, oh, that's okay. I just go back in the world. God will understand. No, no. He says if you go back into the world and the same place you came from, you're worse off than if you had a never. It says, verse 21, look what it says. It would be better if you had never known about Christ at all than to learn of Him and then afterwards turn your back on the holy commandments that were given to you. Isn't that scary? Do you know anybody in the church that's ever done that? I know people, all kinds of people that's done that. That's come to church. I see them regularly. That have come to church and some of them went to church for a year, five years, ten years. And then they're out of church. They don't go no more. Bible study? I ain't got time to go to Bible study. I got other things to do. Oh, I heard the Bible talk once. That's all I need. I got it. Yeah. That's why I read it over and over and over and over. (coughs) 
Verse 22, there's an old saying that a dog comes back to what he has vomited. And a pig is washed only to come back and wallow in the mud. That is the way it is with those who turn again to their sin. You don't want to go there, do you? Aren't we grateful that this God that we serve forgives us so many times? And He does, even after we have sinned time after time after time, He is gracious and merciful and continues to forgive us. And some of us, 10, 15, and 20 years later, we're still sinning, and then we repent, and I'll believe He don't forgive us again. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a good thing, Deborah, I was talking to a lady over in another church the other day, and she walked up, and obviously she was having some trouble with some of the people in the church. I said, ma'am, you having a good day? She said, no, I'm really not. I said, well, what's wrong? She said, some of these people in this church have just about driven me right here. She said, you know, it's a good thing I'm not God. I said, what would you do if you were God? She said, I'd kill them all. I said, well, then I'm glad you're not God too. <laughs> I'm definitely glad you're not God. I said, I'm glad he's a whole lot merciful, more merciful than you and me. Because we think we're merciful. But let me tell you, I am not merciful at all compared to the king. Not at all. I'm just, I mean, just, I guess you might say, I am not merciful. I'll let you take advantage of me two, three, four, five times. In fact, the other day, one of the ladies at the minister center said, Thurman, I don't see how you do it. I said, do what? She said, there's so many people that take advantage of you in so many areas. And she said, you just come out of it smiling. I said, you know, but I have a limit. Nobody knows where that limit is but me and God. (laughs) But if you keep taking advantage of me, someday you're going to go over the top. And I'm going to say, that's it. No more. Because I'm not God. Thank goodness He can just keep on forgiving us. Keep on, keep on, and keep on. But we're human beings. And most of us, our limits are pretty short, aren't they? You did it to me once. Don't you dare do it again or I'm going to get you. Is that true? Sometimes just one time is all it takes and we lose it. But three, four, and five times. Wow. Now then, let's go to Matthew chapter 24 and let's look at just a little bit more Scripture. We're nearly through for tonight. Matthew chapter 24, verse 38. This is something I believe with all seriousness. We need to be watching for this because I believe this is very, very close. Think about what he's going to say. Matthew twenty four thirty eight. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Verse 40. Then shall two be in the field. The one shall be taken and the other one left. 
two women shall be grinding at the mill. One shall be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord shall come. Watch. The king is coming. He is coming. And he's coming soon. But know this, that if the goodman of the house had known at what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken into. Therefore, be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. When the king comes, most people, most people will not be looking for him. We will not be looking. Who then is a faithful and wise servant? Whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season. Blessed is that servant. Whom his Lord, when he comes, shall find so doing. If you're about the Lord's business when he comes. One day he'll come and just snatch you away. And it'll happen in a heartbeat. You won't even know. In fact, the Lord comes for people every day. Many. And some of those that are walking so in obedience to His Word. I think about this one godly man I know of. This guy, he had a wonderful wife. They were such godly people. And he was 69 years old. Perfect health. On fire for Jesus. And he was an engineer. And he had about a half a dozen projects going on all over the country. Him and his wife was out by one of those projects near Colorado, near Denver. And all of a sudden they're driving down the road and he says, Honey, the Lord just spoke to me. He told me to get all my projects cleaned up because on my birthday, my 70th birthday, he's got a special one for me. He said, I know what he's going to do. He's going to send me to Israel. I've always wanted to go to Israel and do something special. I just know that's what he's going to do. Man, for the next six months, he worked diligently getting everything together. And he got all of his projects up and cleaned up and everything done. The, 16th, the day before his 70th birthday, he called all of his kids in, grandkids, everything. He said, kids, I don't, God spoke to me a few months ago. And told me that he had a special blessing for me on my 70th birthday. He said, I don't have a clue what it is. But tomorrow is my 70th birthday. And I don't want to have a birthday party or nothing going on. I want to have a birthday party today. We're going to worship the Lord and have a great birthday party. And kids were there. Grandkids were there. They all stayed till 9 o'clock or so. And then everybody went home praising the Lord. And him and his lovely wife went together. Went to bed about 11. About 1 she woke up and heard a strange noise. And he was taking his last breath. That's not exactly what most of us think is a special reward. <laughs> See, we don't look at it like God does. But God knew this man was so faithful and such a servant. He said, I can't live without you no more. You've served me well and diligently on your 70th birthday. I'm bringing you to heaven to give you your rewards. And he died. I ain't, ain't nothing better than graduating and getting to go home and be with the king. See, it all depends on how we look at death, isn't it? That's just like a little Church of Christ lady. 
This little lady, she always sat up on the front. And they don't have any music in the Church of Christ. But when they stand and sing, she would always raise her hands and worship the Lord. Nobody else in that Church of Christ would hold her hands up, but she would. Finally, one day, there was another little lady sitting back over here. She was a very spiritual woman, too. And she said, i got to tell you all something. The Lord just spoke to me and told me to give you all a message. She, I heard him tell me. He came up to the front and said, The Lord just told me that Mary's is going to get a special reward from God on Christmas Day this year. It's going to be the best Christmas Day she ever had. Everybody thought, wonder what... This is not a normal thing in a church of Christ. Let me tell you for sure. But even God can get through to the church of Christ and the Baptists and the Methodists and all the rest of us once in a while. So nobody knew what this was going to be. But Mary and her husband and her two children started somewhere on Christmas Day. I think it was over to mothers or grandmothers or whatever for Christmas Day. And they're, what, that morning they're leaving and they go through a light and it was green. But there was a guy ran the light and hit right in her door and killed Mary dead on the spot. Jesus came and got her. See, we don't think about that. When this woman got him, says Mary's going to have the best Christmas day she ever had in her life. Everybody, nobody dreams she's going to die. But let me tell you, that's how little we understand about heaven. We don't know how good this magnificent place is. Just think, Mary and this other gentleman I was just telling you about, they got to graduate and go to be with the king. And guess who come got them? The king himself. He came to get them that day. He took them right out, their spirits right out of their bodies. And when he did, their bodies died. But they was with the king. You know? That, by knowing these things, this is how I looked at it when my wife of 41 and a half years, Betty, and Amanda, my precious 24-year-old daughter, Two women that loved each other. Of course, I loved them both too. But they loved each other. They shopped together. They kept babies together. They went everywhere together. They did everything together. They died together. And they got to go home to be with Jesus together. Isn't that awesome? So, I mean, I know. I knew. I mean, it was a great loss to me. But I knew where those two girls went. And I could just see it now. My daughter and my wife, the way they both love diamonds. And I could never get them very big ones. But I can only imagine my wife and daughter standing at that wall, looking at that giant 250 foot tall solid diamond saying, Would you look at this? And would you look at these pearls over here on these gates into heaven? Somebody said Thurman. They said Thurman who? Who's he? We don't know who he is. And they said, oh, Jesus, there's Jesus. He's the one we want. Dad? Dad Dad who? Who are you talking about? Y'all see where I'm coming from? When you get to that point where you can walk like that, then you can lose your mate and you can still rejoice. Because you know where they went. 
those girls they probably they ain't had that's only been five years ago, and they hadn't probably hadn't settled down enough yet to even think about me. Well, they they may have, they may have. I I really I really you know when that cloud of witnesses that we're around, I can see Mom and Dad and Betty and Amanda and all the rest of them that that were good Christians. I can see them down there. That away, Dad. That away, Son. Go get them out there. Do something for Jesus. They're praying for you. They really are. They really are. See, but when you get to where you really know the King and you really walk in obedience to His Word, you have no fear of dying. You have no fear of nothing. You can live knowing that the King bore everything for you. You don't have to be sick. When you get a hold of that Jesus bore your sickness and removed your disease, all you got to do is repent. I mean, Matthew eight seventeen, the King says, and it came was done to fulfill what was written by Isaiah the prophet in Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, that... He Himself, Jesus, bore your sickness and removed your disease so you don't have to be sick. All you got to do is repent and receive what's already been given to you as a daughter or a son of the King of the universe. And when I got a hold of that 20-something years ago, I have not had a sick day since that time. Had a lot of them before, but I had none since. Isn't that awesome? Father, in the name of Jesus, we praise You and thank You and worship You for the beautiful things that You do. For what You've already done. For all these wonderful things You've given to us that will walk in obedience to Your Word. You said You will command the blessings upon us if we'll just serve You and love You and walk in faith. You will take away all of our sickness and all of our disease. And You will heal all of our diseases. Whenever we do get sick and the, and the devil comes upon us, you say, if we'll repent, you'll forgive us and you'll restore our health speedily. So, Father, thank you for being our Savior, our healer, our deliverer, our provider, and everything. And we praise you, Lord. And thank you for the great and awesome promises that you've given, which all of your promises are yes and amen every time. So when we repent and we come to you and ask you to be merciful to us and heal us and give us another chance, you do. Thank you, Father, for helping us to walk holy. Praise you, Father, for this evening. Bless us. In Jesus' name, amen.